You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. How y'all doing this week? David Hall. Hello, hello. Greg Hectus. What's up, everybody? And Tony Groves. Hey, good evening, gentlemen. Coming up, we will be covering all we know at this point of the new Season 1 build next week. But first, we have a new partnership we're excited to announce. GridFinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues, across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Find a league to fit your schedule. It has never been this easy. Visit grid-finder.com to find a league or to upload your own league. It is the home of online sim racing leagues, and we're so happy to have them affiliated with the iRacers Lounge podcast. We'll uh, be introducing our listeners more to GridFinder as we go forward. We have a special guest today. It is Drew Adamson. Hey, Drew. Hey, how is everyone doing tonight? Well, real good. Um, so happy to have you on the podcast. Um, now, first of all, you're an employee of iRacing, you handle the broadcasting of the championship uh, series. And I want to talk about that, but first, let's get to know you a little bit as a sim racer. And so our first question is, what brought you to iRacing and when did you first hear about iRacing? So I probably first heard about it in 2011, 2012. I didn't get on it until I believe it was 2013. Um, at the time, I was playing pretty much everything else. Forza, Gran Turismo, Need for Speed. Back then when NASCAR was still making games because there were some gaps in their time frame. Um, and what really brought me to iRacing was, especially over the course of starting it, was the emotional connection that we actually had to it. And I think the biggest way that I found that was through the endurance events and how similar to the real world the mental process and emotions you fail, felt were so similar to the real world. All right. Very good. Um, when I look at your iRacing profile, um, look at what you're racing, basically, uh, you're doing dirt a lot. You're doing some road as well, uh, mixed in with the dirt. But what jumped out at me, Drew, is your winning percentages are actually pretty impressive. 6.9% on road overall, 8.1% winning percentage on oval. And then uh, Dirt Road, 3.8, so uh, great numbers. If those are great. I didn't know single digits are great, but I'll take it. Well, anything above 3% is great, actually. <laughs> Most people are, I think, below 3%, um, so well done. Thank you. Now, some of those Coke drivers that you get to watch all the time, now they're double digits, uh, a lot of them, but that's why they're Coke drivers, right? Exactly. They are the professionals. Right. All right, so let's talk about what are you running when you're not at work? I mean, uh, it, 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 and, I, and one thing I want to jump on is 
do you do you not run iRacing in the off hours because it's work? Absolutely not. Um, during the Thanksgiving week and this week, I've been doing some of the Pro 4s just because I've found that on the dirt road side, I just somehow click with those a lot better, those, those trucks, more than the Rallycross cars or the Pro 2s. And more importantly, I've been driving the Formula Sprint Series and the BMW 12.0 Series between the last two weeks because they both go to my favorite track, Road Atlanta. Um, so it, it's harder during the year, especially when we have so many shows going on to obviously race. And I try to do the big Enduros is sort of my focus because that gives me, you know, more gaps in between how much I have to race. But other than that, if it's at Road Atlanta, I'll probably be in there somewhere. Well, very good. Okay. So next, let's switch gears. Let's talk about your hardware setup that you race with. Uh, what do you have for like the wheels, the pedals, monitors, uh, that kind of thing? So my wheel is just a G29. Um, and my monitor is an Asus 24 inch monitor. Simple stuff, right? Okay. And, uh, what about any software, third party software you run in discord or TeamSpeak or, uh, crew chief or any of these other things? I'm definitely running discord. I'm talking to my buddies on in the community. Um, TeamSpeak, I only relatively use for when we're doing shows, so I don't use that that often, but otherwise no third party, um, software being ran. I'm just sort of one of the those hardcore traditionalists all right um so virtual beer uh, yes or no um probably no okay wow uh are you part of a team or a league that you're running on a regular basis leagues no but team yes i've started a team back in 2016 called beast racing and i'm still on it and driving with most of the same guys um since we created the team and it's more of a Unfortunately, because of my affiliation with it, it can never go pro at the Coke or Porsche level. Um, kind of would be a little weird with a staff member around, but um, we like to do the Enduros as a group because it creates what I think most teams are looking for, which is actual bonding and doing things together and not just racing here and there, but actually like working towards a goal as a group. Well, absolutely. And um uh, so no leagues at the moment. Um, I wish I had the time. Yeah. We have a winter league with a lot of staff members. You're, you're certainly probably welcome. Uh, Nim and Christian and Tyler and Sam and who else, David? Uh, that just about covers it. I think. Yeah, I think. Yeah. So anyway, we have a good time with those guys and, and I'd love to race, race you and as well, but, uh, join us sometime. Uh, the last question on, on this part is, Tell us, what is your most memorable iRacing moment? And I don't mean work, but as far as a racer. Um, there's a few that stick out. Um, probably getting my first NIS win was the big one in 2017, I believe it was, at Sonoma, um, which basically solidified that I'm decent on ovals, but I'm only really good in stock cars when they're turning right instead of left. Um, that year, we... We're in our split, and we actually finished 30 seconds ahead of the whole field. I mean, we were just pretty much on it that night in NAS, and that's when I got my first win, so that was pretty memorable. And then, unfortunately, the other most memorable moment I have, I believe, comes from the same year. Um, our team just was doing really well at Le Mans that year, and very much in Toyota fashion a year before, we came down to the last 40 minutes and just the driver who's in the car, his monitor, unfortunately, kind of blacked out on him for a split second. And he, unfortunately, couldn't make the braking zone. And we basically 
totaled the car with 40 minutes to go after having about a lap lead on the field. So mm. when I was talking about that emotional connection, I immediately knew how Toyota felt a year before. And there's there's no replicating that with any other game. Oh, especially when you're in hour 18 of 24, right? And it's the middle of the night and uh, and the other guy hasn't even gotten a car yet. Yeah, it's it's really emotional. And there are, we've talked about this before. There are events that, that only come around once a year. So you spend months anticipating it and, and it is a it's a it's a soul crushing heartbreak when something like that happens. Absolutely. Okay, so let's switch gears. We're going to talk about your job a little bit. How did you get the job? Let's start there. I mean, why did you uh, uh, decide, hey, I'm going to try to apply at iRacing and get a job? So at the time, I was in college athletics, and it wasn't planned or anything like that. But on Facebook one day, I saw that iRacing was hiring, and I thought to myself it'd be kind of fun to look at how many software engineers a video game needs or a simulator needs. And it just so happened that they were looking for a media producer who really fit my description as a job. So um, I didn't really know if I was ready to leave college athletics at the time either. It was a pretty hard decision for most people. It, you know, they don't understand that because they know I'm a motorsports guy. So, but it, the college athletics game was was just I was sort of at the top of it, and I didn't know if I was ready to leave it so early in my career. But I eventually applied for it and got the job and. Here we are about three years later. And so you moved to Boston area as well? I was previously in Rhode Island, so it wasn't that far of a move. Um, the university I was at was in Rhode Island, so it was it was more of a hopping across the state line kind of thing. But it, it was, um, now looking back, a, a very fun decision. Now, when you first came on, were you doing broadcasting right out of the bat, day one, or did it build up? I know you guys built this huge studio and the new property. Um, did you get to make decisions on that um, and so forth? So when I first came, no, we weren't. It was a goal that was set in 20, what year are we in? 2019, it was a goal that was set that we wanted to start doing these in-house. Um, and I was a part of the group that was making the decision. I didn't make the decision. Of course, that comes down to Steve Myers and Tony Gardner to make those decisions. But I was definitely giving them information to help them make their decisions. And then once the decision was made, they very much did rely on my background and experience to not only build the control room, but to run and manage it. Okay. So let's talk about that during a typical Coke uh, broadcast or Porsche broadcast, uh, what is your actual role? Are you a director? Are you pushing the buttons, cutting the cameras? Are you calling cameras? How does that work? So my role is both the director and executive producer of the broadcast. Um, leading up to the shows, I'm doing 95% of all the asset creation. So that's either the graphics that you're seeing on screen, some of the video elements that are in the broadcast, and organizing all that and that's days out that we're doing that and coordinating who the staff will be who's working on the broadcast during the show itself i am actually just a pure director and we have about 10 other people who are working with me either as cameras as a td as a graphics operator performing the broadcast yeah so you're just verbally directing it basically a lot of verbal direction for sure yep well that's important um and uh Interestingly, I mean, the way it worked out with the coronavirus and the Pro Invitational and NASCAR and NBC and Fox, 
you, you kind of got thrown into the fire there. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that went down and and what were you thinking? Were you uh, intimidated? Were you uh, excited? I mean, what what changed for you as as you went into that week? So I think what changed most was we had to do some reconfiguration of our control room. And you said massive. It's not massive at all. It's only a 12 by 20 room. And we fit a lot of equipment in there. And we've rearranged it, I think, up to now. I'm on my fifth rearrangement of the room because we're currently converting it for 2021 usage. Um, but we did have to do some rearrangements and get some equipment from the networks to do that. It really came about once everything shut down. It came about from conversations that Steve Myers had with Fox. And one day I got a phone call from him that said, hey, we're doing a meeting here in about an hour. I want you on it. And you don't need to really do a lot of talking, but if they have questions, you know, feel free to answer, but don't over-elaborate. Right, so I'm thinking this meeting's with Steve and like one or two other people. It turns out it's pretty much half the production crew for Fox. Jeff Gordon, um, Mike Joy, Larry McReynolds, Regan Smith, like, pretty much everyone who's involved on Fox and the NASCAR side, um, which is a very eye-opening Zoom meeting to be sitting in at the time. And both the excitement and I would say confusion <laughs> was probably my honest emotions at the time because um, trying to figure out how we were going to pull off what we were going to pull off was probably going to be the most challenging part of it. So that was what was so challenging and confusing at the time. Well, I think that's the biggest question I had is how are you actually moving the video around? You know, you're in Boston, uh, Fox uh, is elsewhere, Charlotte or wherever. Uh, physically, I mean, tech technology wise, how is that working? It's over the internet or? So we did two pro invitationals actually, one with Fox and one with NBC with the IndyCar stuff and vote both crazy enough were actually very different. And sometimes we did those shows on back to back days. So Saturday would be IndyCar and Sunday would be NASCAR. And we basically have to convert all of our programming and settings overnight, essentially. Um, and for the Fox shows, what we would do is we would send them our feeds over the Internet. Um, and it was on a, maybe a two-second delay down to their studio. And then we were basically the world feed or race feed for them. And they would commentate as normal on it. Probably the most challenging part of that wasn't necessarily getting them the signal or you know getting all the codecs right. It was trying to communicate to my crew to do a race while also listening to a producer in my ear. So very similar to how I'm wearing my headset now. I normally don't wear my right ear, and I had a headphone in my right ear with a producer from Fox constantly telling me things like, hey, let's show Junior, or hey, let's show Denny Hamlin, or hey, we want to do this a little bit. Let's do like a crank it up. And I'm having to then relay that into my other ear, all while also trying to listen to the broadcast at the same time. So there's a lot of voices and a lot of people talking inside my head at that time. Yeah, that's it, it was a very exciting time for us as well, watching you guys uh, get it done. Um, who's building the uh, overlays, the timing and scoring? Uh, you, you showed us something very cool here in the playoffs of the Coke series, the points as they run which really helped uh, with the show. So the physical design of them, I came up with. Um, I like to say I'm a jack of all trades in that aspect, but the actual design of what you see on screen, I come up with. And then I work with ATVO to implement it into the show. So um, we basically hired them to create our graphics for us 
on a year-to-year basis. So they um, helped me build the theme the way I envisioned it. And they did an amazing job dealing with us through COVID, especially because of how many different requests were coming in from both Fox and NBC and having to do one-week turnarounds or less. Exactly. So you're doing the design work, but uh, what about the programming behind it and that kind of thing? Are you doing that too? No, that's all ATVO, and they do a fantastic job with it. So they're much smarter than me in that department, so I'm going to let them just handle all that. So you you guys just like hire ATVO like a contractor, and they build it kind of thing? Exactly. Right. So what are some of the unique challenges of broadcasting those different series, especially through early summer, late spring there where, I mean, you had everything going. You had IMSA, you had Dirt, you had... Um, you had the weekly uh, Fox, you know, Wednesday special with, you know, Boyer and so forth and company. And you had all kinds of things going like it was crazy. And how did you keep up with that? Um, so t- keeping up with it was definitely a challenge. We got to a point in late March and April through the whole month where we weren't identifying things by Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. In fact, we most of the time lost track of what day it was. And we identified what day it was based on the show we were doing. So today was Fox one hour. Today was IndyCar. Today was Pro Invite with NASCAR, right? So we kind of lost track of the days for sure and what day we're on, Um, especially in the week where we did six shows in seven days. And five of the seven were the show days, essentially. So I would say the biggest challenge, and this is probably an answer you would never have expected through all this, and it's it's once I explain it, it'll make a lot more sense. Sleeping and eating were probably the two hardest challenges. <laughs> um, so there were days where we would probably be, be in the office five, six o'clock in the morning. And we're building assets and we're putting shows together and then testing for shows and doing run-throughs on shows and doing the shows that we would probably average for four or five hours a night on average. But you're doing all this stuff and you'd have to try to find ways to basically eat in between it. So I remember vividly one Saturday morning, we got some stuff last minute for IndyCar. So we had to get that edited and converted into the show. And that was, I showed up at about 4.30 in the morning, got through all that stuff and made sure and double-checked all the assets because for these shows, we double and triple-checked everything. Um, I got wrapped up with everything for IndyCar by about 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning, which between 9 and 10, I had about an hour before we started actually doing things for the IndyCar show. At 10 o'clock, I started to have my TD show up and start running through the show, and we would do our own run-throughs. And then 11 o'clock, the NBC producers would show up, and we'd go through the show with them and then 12 o'clock the talent my cameras would show up and one o'clock we're doing you know a race essentially so that nine to ten hour that i had i'd probably spend about 15 20 minutes in one of our conference rooms with the blinds closed and just taking a nap and then um you know just sort of either scrounging or having my td bring something when he came in to to eat on because by then by the time we're done it's five o'clock at night and i've been there since 4 30 in the morning so that was a lot of saturdays for us and then we'd turn around and do the saturday night thunder at eight o'clock so then we'd have about 90 minutes to switch the whole room around for that show and so after that whole thing, we're leaving that room probably 1130 at night and haven't been there at 430 that morning. So that was a lot of Saturdays for us. And then Sunday, we turn around and do Fox NASCAR. So very, very busy sleeping and eating were the biggest challenges out of all of it. Sounds like you need two studios so you don't have to flip <laughs> studios. 
So tell them that. Now, okay, so my last question is, you guys look so freaking brilliant that you had this studio and you and your talent in place when the COVID hit and NASCAR needed you the most. How, how did you... I mean, was it just dumb luck that you guys started that in 2019? Was it a brilliant idea? I mean, whose idea was it at the end of the day? So it was a group idea to do the broadcast in-house, and we had built up through 2019 to doing it for 2020. And then after doing our first ever live show on February 11th with the Coke series, we could not have predicted a month later what was going to happen. It was very much dumb luck of COVID happening. But thankfully, um, we had some very good people in the right place. Um, it wasn't just myself. We had just hired Cisco, um, who is my TD, in January. And he does cameras and stuff. He, he would actually be the one switching the broadcast because right. um, we're on a professional switcher. So hiring him in January, I don't know if we would have gotten through COVID at the time. Um, we had Alex operate as one of our camera operators through that whole process. So it was the three of us basically riding it out for three months through that process. But without Steve having the right conversations and without us making this decision internally a year before and – Moving into the office that we did, I mean, that's the whole story of itself is, and I, I like to spend hours telling people about this, 120 days before February 11th, our first Coke race, we weren't even in our current office. We didn't have the control room built. We didn't have most of the equipment on order, and we hadn't even hired our second guy at that time. So we almost had nothing 120 days before the show and then 120 days after february 11th we had gone through the whole pro invite with nbc fox the wednesday night shows and the imza races when you look at the spectrum of that it's it's kind of amazing what we were able to do i think we just found ourselves in a very very lucky situation to have the right people in the right place yeah yeah it's a perfect storm uh, to get iRacing out to the masses and it worked and so going into next year um, what are you looking forward to as a final question? Like, uh, you got the Coke series coming, that's your big, uh, big one, but, uh, what else you got cooking? All right. Well, I would say our other big one that we have coming right now is Porsche and that's coming up January 9th. So that's right around the corner, which is why we're starting to rush to, after the build here, get that control room updated with our, some of our new equipment and new looks. And we are going to have a new look to the broadcast next year, which hopefully everyone tunes in to watch them. Um, but I think what I'm looking forward to is what I look forward to every year, which is what challenges and things can we evolve and continue to push forward. It was amazing the step that we took to not only bring the awareness of the public to esports and the validity of sim racing, but the quality of the broadcast. You know, we we helped raise the bar for not only ourselves but every other broadcast. Right? We set that expectation of how great these can be. But I don't like to ever be complacent, so I'm interested to see. And how can we raise the bar again? Where's that next challenge for us? I can tell you what I would like that next challenge to be is for us to actually tackle a full 24-hour race at some go. point um, and have one broadcaster cover it. I know RaceBot, SimSpeed, and GSRC do amazing work covering these 24-hour races in different parts, but to actually do it with um, maybe two crews, right? So we rotate like drivers do. We're three, four hours on, 
with one crew and three, four hours on with another. Um, I think that would be a very unique challenge. And that's something I'm definitely looking forward to. And maybe doing some more community-based events where we're having some more fun and not super serious world championship competition to uh, just get people to watch and experience the different aspects of sim racing and, and that iRacing has to offer. Yeah, knock on wood, you guys have knocked it out of the park as far as quality of the broadcast. Um, I've always said that it's been on par as watching NBC or Fox. I mean, I think you guys are on par. And um, good luck uh, going into the future. Uh, Adam, uh, Drew Adamson, I mean. Uh, Drew, uh, a pleasure. You're the first iRacing employee that's been on our show, and we've been on for a long time, and I do appreciate that. We've had some... Uh, people that turned into employees that have been on the show before that, but this is the first one. And thank you for being that first one. Now I want to, I want you to hit up your uh, boss, Dale Jr. over there, director and tell him to come on by. (laughs) Well, I guess you saved the best for first. So no problem there. It was great to be on. Thank you guys. Much appreciated. Absolutely. And you're welcome back anytime. One more quick thing. Tell our listeners just how easy it is to get on the iRacers Lounge podcast. All you had to do is just hit me up, right? <laughs> I mean, for anyone who wants to be on, I, I guess that was the route. Um, it was more just asking you guys the question if you've ever had a staff member. So um, I'm glad that you guys finally get one after being around for so long and doing such great work. Um, this is this has been fun chatting with you guys, and I hope I get to do it again sometime in the future. You bet. All right. Thanks, uh, Drew, for coming on and looking forward to watching you again. Uh, take care. All right. And with that, we're going to move into stories. But first, stories are sponsored by Schoolyard Setups. Struggling to crawl in the top 10 in Road to Pro? Always in the back of the Xfinity series? Uh, Or can't find that extra 10th to compete for wins in the NASCAR iRacing series? Visit schoolyardsetups.com to get race-ready setups for ABC each week. Enter referral code LOUNGE with a capital L when you sign up to let them know you heard about it from the iRacers Lounge podcast. Don't get bullied around the racetrack again. Get your setups at schoolyardsetups.com. Brian Eldora. That's right, guys. Uh, so the iRacing World of Outlaws series went to Eldora for week four. And this race was a tale of the top three dirt racers on the service. Man, Tim Ryan, uh, Hayden Carwell, and Alex Bergeron, they just stole the show in Eldora. They took the top three spots in qualifying and each won their heats with uh, Tim Ryan uh, being the uh, pole sitter for the feature. Um, another note I want to add here, because this was really interesting, um, that uh, the second heat race uh, had a little controversy at the end where uh, Cole Newhoffen, he he cleared out Adam Elby with a slide job on the final turn of the race to get the last transfer spot. So these two guys were racing for the last, uh, only the top two uh, finishers in the second qualifying heat. Uh, go on to the feature. Uh, Adam Elby had a lead on Cole Newhoffen, and uh, on the th- on the last turn of the race, uh, he tried a slide job and just completely wiped him out. Adam El- tight, completely Ouch. wiped out Adam Elby. Yeah, it was it was. A, you've heard the stories that like a a bad slide job is when you. Uh, when you slow up the car that you're sliding in front of, you know, uh, this was just a terrible slide job. Um, even the announcers uh, had mentioned that there, there could possibly some be some disciplinary actions uh, for that one. So I'm going to keep an eye on that from this week coming up and see if anything comes of it. 
But so in the in the feature race, uh, there was an early caution. But man, uh, the last 25 laps of the race, uh, those three guys, Tim Ryan, Hayden Cardwell, and Alex Bergeron, put on an absolute show. Uh, the, the fast line of the of the race was the cushion, which is like literally right at the base of the wall, and you know with almost zero margin for error. So basically, whoever could hold on to that uh, hold on to that line without making any mistakes was going to take the win, and that turned out to be Alex Bergeron. That was his second win of the season. Cardwell, uh, he wound up edging uh, Tim Ryan on the last turn and uh, picked up second place. So uh, with that being said. Uh, Cardwell still holds on to a five-point lead in the series uh, over Alex Bergeron. Uh, Tim Ryan's in third. He's a little further behind because he had a he had a rough week last week. So, uh, man, I tell you what, get Dirt Vision, uh, go on the vault. It's free to watch this replay. It's some of the best racing you'll see. Those three just duked it out for 25 laps, switching positions, uh, doing slide jobs on each other, uh, and just. You know these 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 cars are just right up against the wall, and just the smallest mistake was changing the outcome of this race. It was it was fantastic to watch. Um, another quick thing to uh, mention was uh, Tim Ryan in the post race interview mentioned that some of his issues hitting the wall were net codes. He thought he didn't hit the wall, and you know if you think about it, when you're racing side by side in NASCAR or whatever, and some net code issues come up, you know you get damaged without really making contact. These guys are racing, you know, right up against the wall. Any kind of net code in that situation uh, it could really mess up a uh, mess up your race, and that's what Ryan was kind of kind of talking about. And uh, so we'll see how it goes from there with that kind of an issue. But uh, some great racing. Check it out if you haven't had a chance. It's on uh, Dirt Vision. Uh, it's in the vault. It's uh, free to watch. Um, they seem to got all their kinks worked out from last week where they didn't put their race up properly. So uh, yeah, just def definitely check it out if you want to see some great dirt track racing. Okay, we should ask. Uh drew adamson about that uh, but i forgot david what do we got next well a couple of weeks ago it was announced by greg west that they have opened a couple of new ping servers or actually just race servers at the moment they're only running them for hosted races uh but they if they start getting enough numbers and participation they'll have uh they'll start using them for official races uh so they've now added both brazil and japan as locations for for servers that you can choose when you set up a hosted race and the feedback in the forum thread from the japanese iRacers was tremendous i was like i didn't know there were so many of them to tell you the truth um they were very appreciative and that they have a, a server on their island where they can have a low latency and they have great internet in japan but can you imagine now they have a local server they can race uh, they probably won't have any netcode maybe and then Brazil, we have tons of people down there. So uh, one thing to, to note on the second link, uh, David, Greg also mentioned that uh, there's six different locations now around the globe that they can host iRaces. Uh, U.S. East Coast, U.S. West Coast, Australia, Germany, which was formerly based in the Netherlands. So they did move out of that data center in the ne Netherlands and now in Germany and now Japan and Brazil. Are they just doing this kind of for more opportunities to have better services for certain types of events? Like, obviously, I know they use the Australian one when they do the V8s and stuff like that. Right. 
And then Brazil has a lot of Brazilian-only events, I think, too. Not sure what the J Japanese uh, demand is, but like I said, there were maybe a dozen uh, people that you know were on the thread anyway. Doesn't that just help the actual service in general, just having that farther of a location to ping from? Well, and I think it also lowers the load on the U.S. servers too, right? Well, how about some... Uh highlight videos we've got the iRacing member highlight video from october uh posted up and uh another great looking video um some really cool stuff uh more specifically um a barrel roll that in the street awesome. stocks um and he stuck the landing like right. a great gymnast uh <laughs> and kept on going um the car was a little beaten up but uh yeah, he was still rolling. That was a good move. And then um, I guess it'd be in the Indy cars. There was that, uh, oh, they were like side by side to the finish. Um, that was just a, a I, I love watching those ones there. If, you know, if it's like a, a good, good wreck avoidance or a nice fancy flip or, you know, like side by side finish, uh, those are the ones that, you know, usually get me pretty excited. But those are the two out of the October offerings um, that really stood out to me in that video. Well, I like the uh, Legends at South Boston, the big one. And it was the big one. There were at least 15 cars involved. David, did you see the one with, I think it's the LMP2 cars splitting uh, a GT3 uh, car and uh, twice, two of them. Oh, in the in dark. This in the, no, there was in the daylight. It was on the S's, I think, at, at Road Atlanta. Um, but that just doesn't happen very often where you get that safe pass like that when you have two, three cars wide. No, they usually, usually you can't trust the, the everybody to hold a lane. Well, I guess, sorry, Greg, another honorable mention. Um, I'm not sure what kind of car it was. It was a road car, so they all kind of look the same to me. Um, but it was... You know, two guys kind of side by side going into a corner and they both look like they're, uh, you know, losing their back end a little bit at the same time. And it looked to me like they recovered at the same time. It was um, almost kind of like they, uh, you know, they dance in the water, synchronized swimming. Something I learned today from Drew Adamson, I kind of, I think I've said on the show before that he does these videos. It's not him, actually. It's uh, Nick, uh, Alex Horn. I think is the guy who does the videos. So Drew Adamson, he he just does basically the broadcasting only. He doesn't do anything related to these, and it's Alex Horn. So I just wanted to point that out. All right, guys, uh, just in time for the holidays, uh, Kevin Bobbitt at iRacing reminds everyone in the forums that you can once again purchase iRacing gift cards and you can purchase iRacing dollars for fellow members or friends or family. So uh, so that's one way you can uh, share the iRacing love this holiday season. Uh, just, uh, yeah, go ahead. And uh, I think you can uh, do that directly from the member site. Um, and you can uh, go into your uh, into your personal account, and I think you can uh, do it from there just by uh, getting the uh, getting yourself some gift cards and some iRacing dollars. You can pass on to your friends and fellow drivers. Yeah, you click the link, and it gives you a choice: fifteen to three hundred dollars. Uh, you just put in the recipient email, and they email them a electronic gift card. Pretty cool. Someone send me some money at uh, iRacersLounge at gmail.com. 
<laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say with David and all the friends he makes on road, I'm sure he'll get some. Okay, so next up is uh, a forum post uh, about the NASCAR iRacing series, which we love. So we're gonna talk about it. It's, uh, hey, what races next year should be the hundred percent races, the ones that we run full distance? And so Corey uh, Bodenot uh, puts up. Uh, the post, and he said, well, duh, the Daytona 500, Bristol Dirt, he said, if we get it, and the new Nashville Super Speedway, if we get it, and the championship race, uh, Phoenix, I presume. What do you guys think uh, as far as the, the full distance races? I want to see them uh, do one of the road courses full for once. That's one yeah. that they haven't done in a while, or ever probably. Yeah, yeah, I see all the head shaking. So you got to have the Coke 600. You can't leave that out, right? You can leave the Bristol dirt out. I'd rather do the pavement. Yeah, I would rather do the 500, but the 500 is such a mess for the Bristol race at night. Um, I don't know. It's hard to think because we used to be, what, the 500 for the Daytona? Southern 500. Southern. They've done the Southern or they, do the, Brickhart, or they do the Brickyard. It depends on what year they do it in. They usually do one or the other. Well, there is no brook, uh, Brickyard Oval this year, right? That's right. Thank God. I don't like it. So I kind of like the I kind of like the idea of just having the bookends. You know, the first race and the last race. Uh, Darlington was disastrous as a hundred percent race this past year, and uh, I think last year wasn't Martinsville a hundred percent or last year. I don't know, but they change it up. Uh, I don't know about the Bristol Dirt being the. The, especially the first time. I mean, we're going to be official. It's the first time. Do we really want it full distance? I don't think so. And I think we're making a big assumption that we're going to get it too. I don't see why we wouldn't, but I would bet we do. What about, um, like, there's maybe just do an odd race. Like, obviously, we always pick the uh, big main marquee events. Why not just try a different, like, have a Michigan race or, uh, and not Pocono because Pocono is just kind of a caution fest, but have a different type of race during the season. That's not normal. I, I don't know. It's just, it's hard to have the short track races with the car, with these cars. Cause there's always wreck fests and I don't know, maybe a longer distance race where you get strung out like that. It might be better to have a Michigan or something on the schedule as a full distance. So Daytona 500, Southern 500, Coke 600. I, I think you got to keep those three. Maybe like you said, let's rotate the fourth one on a rotation or something. Or they just make sure the last race of the season at Phoenix is a full race too, right? That used to be what they used to do with Homestead, right? Well, one of the things that is rotating around the earth now is a whole bunch of Starlink satellites put up by SpaceX. And uh, we got a question by David Scott up on the forums that is, uh, has anybody started running iRacing with Starlink? Uh, and there's a noted reply from Randy Casty that iRacing doesn't support the the higher satellite trips uh, or satellites. I forget what the one it's called. Um, I forget the main service that's up there. I should remember this because I follow a lot of space news. Uh, but um, Starlink, it's it's a, those are really low flying satellites, and it's supposed to have a latency that's as good as fiber. So I'm curious to see if some people can run it. And um, I actually, not specifically for eye racing, but I have a lot of students who live in the middle of nowhere where there's not not even cell tower. Yeah, and I think they started beta in the U.S. And so this forum thread was just basically to f see uh, who on iRacing is using it. 
And uh, I don't think I've, I've seen anybody who actually is using it yet. Yeah, I'd be interested in seeing how well that works. Because if you guys remember, I actually uh, run on a uh, mobile hotspot through cell towers because I don't have any access to uh, any kind of fiber optic system or anything like that. So, um, you know, if this works out really good, it might be an option for me because um, um, there was a long time where I wasn't on racing, iRacing for a few years where, you know, even the hotspot wasn't an option and uh, the satellite just does not work properly with this because of the latency well starlink is is still currently in beta as well and they don't have 24-hour coverage there's it, it still intermittently drops out they don't quite have enough satellites up well and i guess we take this kind of for granted too sometimes you don't think of things like these internet problems when you know when you move and things like that too right finding us a, a right area to to live in to to have us an uh, internet connection right well, now that I'm working from home, it's even more important, double important. Can't work without internet. And, uh, you know, my wife's working from home, too. She's on one side of the house. I'm on this side of the house. And if we didn't have internet, we'd be toast. And everybody's having to do school. Uh, our kids got sent home this week. A lot of them did. Uh, we went virtual. And half of my kids I'm not hearing from because they don't have internet. It's unfortunate that's happening to this. What's going on now, right? Hashtag soon for uh, Elon Musk, uh, and it'll be interesting. I, I think it, you know, basically Randy Cassidy is saying it should work on iRacing based on what he he knows about the system. So, yeah, the pings are well below a hundred milliseconds. It it it'll be good if you can get in. All right, guys. Uh, here's something you might want to save the date for. It's December nineteenth. Uh, one of our favorite Twitch. Uh, broadcasters annie bat rabbits uh from snail racing she's going to be participating in an event on december 19th with five other iRacing streamers and 30 other drivers to raise funds for their favorite charities uh, the events will be streamed by each of the active channels and also on the global sim racing channel so uh yeah i don't i could not find just yet where they're racing what track it's going to be so um they actually uh, haven't decided more, yet. Yeah, there's more information coming soon is what, what the she's posted. Yeah. So I'm assuming they're uh, taking some uh, some uh, other drivers to race with them. I don't know. Uh, they haven't mentioned yet how to apply for that race yet either. But save the date. It's December 19th. It's coming up soon. I know Annie's a road racer, so I'm sure it's going to be a road race somewhere. Same date that David and I have a race on. Actually, this is the Sunday, following Sunday, is it not? Nope, it is Saturday. Yeah, it's the nineteenth. Okay. So we may not be able to, might not be able to do both of those. No. She's got a promo video on the Instagram too, but it doesn't have too much more information. Okay, let's go to big topics here, guys. Uh, we got the build coming next Wednesday, um, and they've been leaking. Uh, Greg's been leaking stuff because he's a marketing guy, and so. Let's go through the leaks uh, quite a bit. So uh, the big one, guys, man, the Coca-Cola Speedway. Now, they haven't officially come out and said that it's coming, but uh, they released a video that showed the grandstands uh, of the Coke Speedway. Uh, they released another video that showed uh, sitting on, uh, or actually showed the old Coke Speedway from NASCAR Racing 2003, and then it showed the real or the updated iRacing uh, as they were gridding on that track. And uh, 
and it looked pretty cool. I mean, what did you guys think? Uh, the excitement for me is high. I think I told the group, I don't think I've ever been as excited for a track as this one. Could you imagine climbing up that, that last set of bleachers? Well, just to watch the video in general, um, obviously it's all fictional, right? So you're kind of, they're producing this and you got a big aerial overhead, like like from my Google Ma or Google Earth and sh looking down at it from a place that exists, but the track doesn't exist. And they're just kind of making stuff up, which is interesting how they're doing it all, right? Well, they show in the video like they're actually building it with cranes. You see these giant cranes. Uh, they show construction workers walking. Uh, they show people looking at the blueprints and, and, and people in hard hats and that kind of thing. It's never been confirmed that they're calling it Coca-Cola Speedway, has it? I, they haven't yet to confirm it uh, officially, um, but that's always been the name of it. I wouldn't know why they would call it something else. Especially oh, what, with him being one of their biggest sponsors. Well, what did what did I say earlier? They'll drop everything tomorrow after our podcast goes live. So we have a week. They have a week to sit on it before we can talk about it. So um, in the forums, uh, Dustin Dawes commented that it makes logical sense uh, <clears throat> for them to tackle this Coke Speedway. There was a bet made by Steve Myers to make the Speedway that it would be if Coke came on board as a title sponsor for their NASCAR series. Also, it's a project that doesn't require tricky travel restrictions to complete due to the virus. So, makes sense. Well, they already had all the data, right? So, there was just there was just no need to... There was half of the resources stuff that they had to do was already done. They just got to build it for this engine and all that stuff, right? And it's kind of part of this engine... From back in the day, they just got to revamp it to what they're doing now. So we tried to describe for Tony Groves uh, how this track looked. And Tony, I, I mean, what did you think about our verbal descriptions of this three-mile track? Well, how you, you guys got me excited. I mean, from my understanding of it, it's super long straightaways and really high banked uh, corners. Uh, and that just sounds like a lot of excitement and to test uh my wreck avoidance even more because uh they'll be going fast and you know it's like a super speedway kind of on steroids right it's kind of weird because when you look at it from back in the day it's almost like a well it's what do you call it three a three mile gateway i would guess gateway is probably the closest kind of looking to it because it's long, long straight paper clip yeah, it's a bigger paperclip than like Martinsville. It's not like the tight turns, but it kind of reminds me of the old Gateway or with Gateway track. Well, Gateway is more closely related to Darlington. They're both kind of they have unequal turns. So I would I would think if it's more of a paperclip shape, it's more older like a Dover, older old older Lanta maybe when they used to have not the dogleg, but it just the straightaways. I remember when you used to play in a NASCAR two thousand three, you would. Uh, I guess you would get the mod, the blowover mod, and people would try and race down the straightaway, and you try and spin the guy out to see if you could flip, get them up airborne and stuff like that. This was a track that was popular for it. So we don't have a link for it, but there was a discussion. Are they going to charge for this? This is going to be like the you know a fantasy track. Some people say no, they shouldn't charge for it. It should be free. And other people are like, wait, I'll pay. Take my money, you know. And I I think you know, hey, they built it. 
it still takes time to build it and they have to pay these people. I, I'm, I'll pay them whatever they charge for it. Well, I mean, from what you guys have been describing to about this to me, like I've, I've never, uh, I've never tried NASCAR 2003 and um, you know, until talking with you guys, I knew nothing of this track. Um, but from the description alone and the amount of fun that I think that I could possibly have, um, including all the swear words that I'll throw out once I'm, you know, upside down and twisting around, um, I would pay money for this. Well, the interesting thing is, is what does this open up to? I don't know if you guys remember the car that they had, like, I want to say five to 10 fantasy tracks inside NASCAR 2003 at that one point that they just created. They had a, if I remember correctly, there was a road course that went through the mountains and things like that. They were just fantasy sets of tracks they had done and does this help for when they don't get things scanned and they need to come up with some content do they maybe do this more often who knows i mean obviously as the pandemic clears and they can start doing stuff i'm sure there's a backlog of stuff they got to get out and get done i would be i guess that would depend on like the fantasy track like um you know this one here coca-cola speedway from my understanding it has some really deep-seated roots uh, within the sim community. Not only that, uh, Coca-Cola is a huge sponsor for um, iRacing, so this makes sense. But if it's just like some random tracks through some mountains um, just to be fantasy, but there's no real world link to it, Of I don't think it, I would be so into that. Um, even if Agreed. it was an oval, even if it was an oval set in the mountains, um, take the whole road part out of it. But yeah, if it had some uh, real-world application or real-world uh, ties, then I think it'd be good. Let let this be one a one-off. You know, let this be a, the one and only. You know, there's always this this thing of oh, iRacing is an arcade game. It's a game. It's not a sim. And and then well, wait a minute. We race real tracks. We race real cars on real tracks. Oh, wait a minute. Now we have the Coke Speedway, not a real track. Yeah, so, that was the quick version of what I was trying to get at. <laughs> <laughs> what about the Easter egg, David? Well, we've been hearing rumors about this, and it was seen again on the iRacing Twitter account, a picture of what looks like a Lamborghini GT3. Uh, and if this comes out, you know, they, they, it's not official yet, but if it comes out, it's going to be interesting because I remember talking about just recently this year, they, they expected to not develop any more GT3s because there's already so many. So it was a picture that they put out for Long Beach, but it's the the top of a car, and you can see the little grill openings. And uh, of course, the the people on the Twitter and everything quickly figured out that those grill openings only exist on a Lamborghini Countach, right? But it, it, it'll be interesting to see because that car would probably be one of the more desirable cars to have in this. I know Lamborghini in the sports car scene has has had a, a footprint for the last you now 10 or so years um with they may not be the completely the competitive car but everybody can knows what a lamborghini is when you you know going around the track right i think in the, one of the threads greg west was trying to say it was a corvette and then someone quickly put up a picture of the corvette and it's vince looked totally different than the lamborghini vince and so uh so this hasn't been officially announced either. They've just been kind of teasing it. A lot of people are saying, hey, it's it's good as gold. The Lamborghini's coming. Well, if, if it is the Lamborghini coming, um, 
I, it's it's actually a pretty big surprise, right? I haven't heard anything along the past months that uh, they were bringing this car to iRacing. Okay. So, Tony, uh, they were teasing what when they showed us the Lamborghini? Well, that would be uh, Long Beach. And that's as far as I know about this, except that they have confirmed that it's come in this build. Um, they got a lot of pictures up of it, and uh, you know they've been pushing that one on the socials. Um, yeah, and that's the extent of my knowledge of the Long Beach track. It looks good. The video they put out of the final product of, I mean, it's hard to tell it's it's fake. I mean, it looks like the real Long Beach, like you're looking at a real picture of Los Angeles, but it's not. It's iRacing, and it's really hard to tell. I mean, the, the graphically, they did a great job. I mean, it really looks sharp. With another street course out there, a lot of the road community is begging now for Monaco. Yeah, but that's that's way off. You're, never, you're probably not going to see Monaco because I think, we were talking about it. I just think the only way they're going to get it is if they're going to get it through scanned data, like they did with, with Hockenheim. Um, and I think the cost would be too much because of the prestige of Monaco to do that type of thing. Cause you're never going to get out there and have time to scan it. So uh, who knows what during the race weekend, you mean? Yeah. I mean, they, like I said, Monaco is such an interesting weekend. They open the track back up to traffic each day in between all the events, so it's not right. like it's not like they can just keep it shut down for a uh, a full week a full weekend because the cost would just be astronomical for them. So it would have to come in the same way that they're doing that uh, that other track with the with getting scanned data. But I just believe that that would be too expensive. I think the cost on Monaco would be way too much. Who uh, do you guys own Long Beach? I don't think I own the tech track. I, I can't wait to see how this track will drive because Detroit is the other street track that we have that, you know, there's nowhere to go. The walls are, the walls are where your the accident is and that's you're in between them. There's no runoff area and the same with Long Beach here. And there's some really, really tight, like the hairpin or not the hairpin, but the corner that goes around the fountain, like that's a really tight area. And if there's an accident there, it's pretty much, you're coming to a dead stop. There's, there's nowhere to go. It's it's single to a car and a half width wide. So I don't know, David. I'm pretty excited to drive this track in a GT car because it it'll be so much so much fun to just have a, another street course because I think street courses are so beautiful uh, in the way they're designed uh, to drive. Belle Isle is really fun, and it it really does. You know, some courses you have runoff you can go off into the grass and you're going to lose a few positions but you don't hurt the car if you mess up at belle isle your race is over well and the other thing is david you have a direct drive wheel i don't know what and and then brian you have the direct drive and this and the seat this is going to be a bumpy track this is not going to be your your typical driving around it's going to be one of the more bumpier circuits. holes and well if you want bumpy just go to sebring so is this going to be a special event? Is this, I mean, it's a big race for IndyCar. Uh, do we need a, a new special event to feature IndyCar at Long Beach? Well, maybe maybe they do a full race there with their IndyCar schedule, right? Because right. usually, I mean, it's St. Petersburg, I think, is the start of the season, which they don't have scanned. And then they go to Long Beach, I think, the next weekend. I can't remember if there's a uh, uh, oval track in between, but I know Long Beach is early in the season. So 
do you make it a special event to start the season? We'll see. Then, Brian, we got Big Block. Yeah, so uh, another thing that uh, iRacing had actually uh, mentioned before, but it's being com- confirmed now that that they're going to have the Big Block and the 358 modifieds, modifieds that are going to come out this next build. Um, and along with that, a new track to race them on, uh, Cedar Lake Speedway, the dirt track. I think that was in Wisconsin, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, that's going to be a new racetrack to drive the on the dirt. Um, when I was watching the uh, the sprint car race, the World Outlaw race, and they were showing the future uh, of schedule coming up, they actually mentioned uh, there might be some changes. And I think that might be uh, Cedar Lake could possibly be added to the World Outlaw schedule in this uh, this current season. So that would be uh, pretty interesting, too. So is it two cars or one? I mean, there's a big block modified. There's a 358 modified. They show them as two cars. Is it one of those things where you buy one and you get both? or um, That's a good question. I, I wouldn't know if, if you get both of them when you buy them, but they look very similar. It's, you know, if you, uh, if you buy, like, the, uh, the, late, the late models, there's a couple different variations of the late model, and there's, a couple, there's three different variations of the sprint cars. And if I'm not mistaken, I think you bought them all at once. I can't remember that for sure. What did but, they, uh, I don't. Sorry, Brian. What did they do for the pro trucks when they had the two different ones? You bought one, you got pro two, pro four. So maybe you might be lucky enough to have it that way. Sorry, Brian. I didn't mean to cut you off there. Yeah, it could be. That's no. why I mentioned it. It could be like that. Yeah, I, don't I think know. there's a. I think there's a good chance if it's just going to be one purchase and you get both of them. Does the dirt strike work that way? Don't the 14, I think so. The yeah. 14s and 350s together. Or three, I mean, 405, 410 and 305, is that what No, it is? those are separate cars. They are? I okay. I mean, okay, yeah, I think you're right, yeah. They could just, you know, and, and I'm sure there'll be an uproar about it, but you know what? Even if they do charge them for both, well, guess what? They had to develop both, so there was development cost into both, unless they're identical and they're just coding differences. But if there is an actual development difference in these cars, then, you know, you should expect to pay for both of them, right? What was neat about the Cedar Lake uh, Speedway was they they trickled out teasers. Like uh, the first one was just a, a picture of a dirt track with the uh, the tires, you know, piled up on the edge of the track, and that's all they showed. And then the speculation went wild on social media. Hey, which dirt track is this? And uh, it was kind of fun to participate in the socials trying to figure out, uh, looking at, you know, video of dirt tracks and other pictures and trying to figure out, okay, which track is this? And and they had it narrowed down in just a few minutes on to Twitter. And it uh, and somebody picked Cedar Lake uh, Speedway. And then later on, they did confirm that that is indeed the track. Is it just me or is it interesting by a picture that people can figure out certain things? Like it's, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty fluent in cup, cup tracks and things like that, but dirt tracks, like, that's pretty good when some people can pick out what it is. Yeah, I think it was Nick Nieben, uh, one of the guys we follow on the forums. Uh, he posted up a, the picture of the real Cedar Lake Speedway that has the same white tire on the inside wall and, uh, and compare it to the, the picture they posted. And it, it looks identical. So obviously that's the right place. Next and, uh, up was, that- uh, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say that tire's gonna do some damage if you wind up taking it. If you run running that bad boy, that's gonna do some damage. 
Well, if I'm looking at one of the images here too, there's tires that are dug into the track on the inside to create like a curbing. That'll be interesting too if you hit those. Okay, keep moving. Uh, we got a picture of the iRacing loading screen uh, as a teaser from Greg Hill. And it shows Charlotte Motor Speedway up in the upper right corner. You can see the oval in the picture. But Greg, you pointed out uh, something I totally missed. The tire has tread on it. Yeah, it'll just, it's basically the IRX like symbol that they put on the loading screens whenever you do any of the rally races. So um, basically it's just showing that Charlotte's probably getting a rally track. I know we were speculating possibly rain. You were talking about rain and stuff like that, but then I just recognized that image is the, the rally cross. So Charlotte would be a good track to have a rally track or rally course at, cause there's some interesting areas you could put uh, a jump and stuff in there. So it, it'll be a nice to have a fantasy Charlotte track to uh, run uh, rally, uh, road rally on. And it wouldn't have to be too fantasy because they've got a whole lot of different road course, course layout options. Like it would be easy to set up a joker lap with the with the pavement they already have and just add dirt to it. Well, and could you, in, instead of going through the back chicane, you get over a jump to, to jump the chicane or something like that? That'd be kind of cool. And another great COVID track to do. They don't have to scan it. They already have Charlotte. They just build, you know, like you said, the joker, the dirt, uh, the dirt jumps and so forth. And then boom, they got a rally track. Yeah, like I, I can see this rally thing. Uh, you could really increase the amount of rally tracks you have by just taking these tracks and creating ones out of it. You don't need to be, the rally side seems to be the one that you don't need to be the most accurate with if there is accurate ones to scan do it but you can you can play around with a lot of different things on the rally side and um you know if i'm not mistaken all those uh tracks are just variations of the tracks you might already have right so if you have charlotte do you get this track automatically for free i would think so yeah well and we were talking about obviously having long beach well long beach is very known for running pro truck races there where they put jumps down the straightaway and Things like that. Do they eventually bring uh, an option like that to uh, Long Beach? It's not that kind of dirt truck, the ones that we have. But they do have dirt trucks that are different that do that. But why couldn't we use the dirt trucks we have to race that at Long Beach, like you're saying? I, I think it would work. And you could get a lot more people buying the Long Beach track just for that. Oh, yeah. That would drive it. Well, the more options you have of cars that race and series that race around a track, the more revenue you're going to get out of the track. Like... If you're just uh, running one series and and running, like say you're running a road series, you just buy the road tracks and that's it. But if you're someone that runs multiple series, like, you know, if you had Charlotte, well, you could have road, you got oval, you got dirt. And, and it just, the more you can have on that track, the more your revenue can go up too. as iRacing should obviously, you know, think about doing that too, right? And Charlotte has the Legends track too. Well, being the sound guy, I should probably talk about the sound. Uh, it's not actually Greg West that announces this. It's Greg Hill. Uh, and they're doing Aussie. some more sound improvements. Yeah, Aussie Greg Hill. Uh, in fact, you'll notice in the if you read the thread, there's somebody who's like, he does exist. They're working on several of the things. They don't simulate earplugs. They do use high-end recording equipment. Um and they're working hard on the reverb filters. And it's interesting. There's a reply that somebody points out. And I, I, I know this is definitely legit. I get some of the feedback 
on what's going on in the car and around the car on the sound. And, and this is also the case in flight sims. Uh, you can just tell where things are by hearing it. And that's even just with a simple two-channel headphone. The, it does a really good job of 3D imaging the sound. Uh, so we got some sound improvement coming out. Now, David, with that reverb he's talking about, is he talking about like having the, the exhaust always exit on the passenger side of those cars Reverber- reverberating off the wall type thing. Yeah, he's talking about environmental sounds, like you're actually hearing your engine bounce off of walls. Okay, so that's yeah. So that's what it's going for is is you're basically trying to channel the sound back and forth around the the environment. Yeah, this guy explained. There was this one guy explained that at nighttime at Bathurst, he can tell where he is on the sound, not just the visual. Well, all the NASCAR uh, cars have in car sound improvements in the next build be interesting to see what it'll be what it'll sound like difference wise yeah especially with my lfe thing i'm running that big subwoofer with the lfe and and whatnot yeah how's that going to adjust i don't know it and then greg it looks like we might have another rally track well it's such a vague uh description of what the rally track is going to be uh so irwindale uh rally is what they're kind of uh, titling it as. Um, but to me, when they showed this picture on the iRacers.com Twitter page is a figure eight. And now that would be really awesome. I don't know. We don't know what the context of this video is. There's nothing really uh, more detailed about it. Well, I think I'm thinking it's a Irwindale rally track because one of the cars is airborne as if there's a jump at the figure eight. So if you were going to des- design a rally uh, a rally track at this, I mean, why wouldn't you take advantage of the figure eight layout and then put a jump so you don't run into the other cars and you're literally flying over the top of them? And uh, I, I, that's why I think it's a, a rally. Tra- and, they sh- and obviously they're showing rally cars uh, on the track as well. So that's the other hint. Now, if that is where the jump actually is, that car is going to land right in the middle of the intersection. He does look a little low, doesn't he, for that thought? <laughs> yes, it is. I'm just looking well, Irwindale, up. I was going to say, Irwindale, Irwindale does have a figure eight configuration, right? Yeah. Right. So it looks like maybe they there's just no jump, jump on it. I don't know. Right. Maybe they just put added the jump. I don't know. Yeah, it indicates they've added a jump at some point on a figure eight. So whatever that means, I don't know. And then, David, we got one more late story that came in just a couple hours ago about next year, not this build. Yeah, not going to be quite ready to this build, but they are. We've already talked about uh, Hockingham Ring. They also have Hungaro Ring, Red Bull Ring, and Knock Hill Racing Circuit. These are all major European road circuits. So all you guys who, who like to go, I racing's on the oval. Well, here you go. Sounds like. You know they're they're bringing a bunch of F1 race tracks out. The Red Bull Ring, that'll Hungaro be a good Ring. track. Hungaro Ring. I'm not sure what the Knock Hill Racing Circuit is. Uh, uh, interesting to find out what that actually is. But to me, this is, and we already knew the Hockenheim Ring was coming, and we knew it was a, a third party scan that they purchased. They didn't scan it themselves. So I assume these other three tracks are the same way, since they're part of the you know, they've lumped it in with the Hockenheim ring. So it looks like the knock Hill racing circuit is just, it, it's just another road course. Where are you? Okay. 
I'm just looking it up, trying to find the actual thing here for it. It's in Scotland. Yeah. So, hey, they're buying, you know, scans of European tracks. Uh, maybe they'll buy Monaco. Maybe somebody's going to scan it, you know, the company they're buying these from. Who knows? But that's great. I mean, that gives them one step closer to being able to do Formula One and the Formula One schedule. So the sooner they get there, the better, I think. Because then they can make a play for it, you know, and get the FIA on board. Tony, do you ever feel like an alien? Never. Never. And if they don't fix things, a lot of people aren't going to feel that way either. Um, a fellow iRacer, Andres Slizen, posted in the forums, uh, he's almost there. He's one win away from grabbing that alien award. Um, unfortunately, that car is the Delara DW12, and they no longer have official races for that car, which makes this feat extremely tough to get on Lest they change things up. Um, and yeah, apparently that the Pro Mazda is also included in the award, but they no longer hold official races. So if you haven't got that, um, it's two cars you'll need. So I think iRacing really just needs to kind of update this trophy. Um, but the fact that he is like, he basically has the trophy now um, since he can't race that, that car such an uh, amazing feat like that is a lot of winning um and a lot of skill to have in so many cars so Tom just, Dryling is trying to win in every car so see i'm also looking i'm looking at this guy's page right now he has uh 423 road wins 40 oval wins 62 dirt wins and dirt road and eight dirt oval so even the dirt oval, he's eight wins. He obviously has like some of these things are that list. If I think if I remember correctly, because I was looking through it the other day, the awards list, like some of the cars on there do need to be really updated because I think there's still stuff for the Volkswagen Jetta on there. And I guess actually the Volkswagen Jetta would still, um, still count. I wonder how many drivers gotten this award before. It seems like it's really hard to get. You know what they need to do? Like with the, they need to have a percentage of this trophy complete or this award complete. So, of the members have a have a percentage with that that marker just to see what what you're looking at. Like he's won on sixty four of the hundred and three different track configurations that there are. That's crazy. There's cars I'll never win in, like the Sprint Cup car that I run every week. There's no chance in hell I'll ever win in that car because the official races rarely go official, and when they do, they have all those aliens in them. So there's just, there's just, it'd be impossible. I can't believe that this guy won in that car. Is that true? It's only showing that he, like if you're looking at his alien award here, of 77 cars, uh, it's just showing the Delara W12 that he still needs to win in. Wow, that's crazy. But even even another statistic here, he's only participated in 78 of the 103 track nominations, and he's won on 64 of them. Like he's huh. some of he's those the, configurations probably would never get run as unofficial. Yeah, it's he has 68,000 laps turned uh, and almost almost 2,000 races. Yeah, just on the roadside there, you know, 1,426 starts, 422 wins. That's wow. like 
almost 25% winning ratio. Yep. Like that is insane. Absolutely crazy. 29.63%. Well, well, if uh, anyone deserves an alien award, it's probably that guy, uh, Andres Silsands from Central Eastern Europe. And if anybody listens to this podcast and actually knows if somebody has that award, let us know because I would like to, to see uh, how long ago that person got that award as well. It must, it's probably harder to get now than it was in the past, obviously, right? Well, does Before dirt my, and, my question is, is, okay, say you got the award. When they add more cars or track combinations, does, you the lose award, it? does the award go away? I don't know. I think once you have it, you probably have it. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, we talked about the releases next Wednesday. So next week's show, we'll be going over the release notes. And then Greg, uh, iRacing is partnering with Ironside PC. So I don't know much about uh, this story here. Um, it looks like uh, from what they're holding uh, a race to uh, or a, a series to box or to give away a PC bundle wheel bundle. No, 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 not at oh, all. It's a, they're sorry, just saying I, buy this. It's a bundle. Oh, it's a bundle. Okay, my bad. Sorry, I was reading that wrong. So yeah, I, you get the computer and the wheel, right? Pedal setup, um, but For it does low price. For one low price, but it does not include a subscription. Okay, so basically it's just here's a turnkey type of situation. Right. Buy this and go yeah, racing. That's right. All right. Yeah, I had read that wrong. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong thing. It's not, I mean, it's $1,075. So they try to hit that. It's right above the thousand mark, but it does give you, you know, a decent, you know, system, halfway decent. It's okay. Right. 1660 super for the card only 16 on the memory and an i5 9400 you definitely can build your own setup for a lot cheaper yeah yeah and you got kind of like the you know bottom of the barrel uh wheel and pedal setup with that thrustmaster um, yeah it's the t150 i mean i don't know i saw the price i was like Eh, maybe, maybe, but you could, yeah, I guess. I don't know. You get those drivers that are starting that don't want to build a computer. They want to buy a Dell, you know, or they want to go to Micro Center or something. This is just as good as doing that. They're saying that a T150, this is in Canadian, but it's like retailing for, I think, like anywhere between 150 and 250. Is that true? Well, that leaves eight hundred for the PC, right? So, does that does that wheel even have like force feedback, or is that just a bungee cord wheel? I want to believe. I think that's a bungee cord wheel. Yeah. Let me just see here. Well, I don't know if I would recommend this to for people to buy, but hey, if they can bring in new people and they can click a button and buy it and get racing, uh, great. No, it does say it has force feedback. I'm just trying to see. Is it? 1080 force feedback uh, technology. So, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the computer will keep you going for a little bit. Um, but the wheel, like, I mean, you're going to get a week in and need to upgrade. Yeah. It's a mixed belt pulley and gear system. Okay. Well, at least it's got force feedback. That's, it's got that going for it, I guess. I wonder what uh, kind of force feedback you would feel if you were standing in the middle of a tire. The levitating kind of force. 
Oh, dang. I didn't even see my name next to this one. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess uh, we got a creepy glitch where a crew member stands in the middle of the pit box, frozen in, in place with his back to the car. Um, there was just like a warning put out. Uh, if uh, just get off your computer and run out of the house, this is not a drill. So we've this, talked uh, this, about this before where the guy is standing inside of a tire. The tire is halfway buried into the cement. Why? I don't know. Um, whenever you're in an Indy car and you come up to your pit after the race, that's the way it looks. And he's got his arms like sticking out on each side. It's very creepy, like you said. Yeah, and uh, Alex Warren actually posted it. The, if you watch the whole video that's attached to this, it's actually pretty funny how Alex Korn uh, – creepified this guy's uh you know with the 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 uh, dramatic the music. music in the background and the uh, lightning bolts and the dark clouds he really does a good job uh just with the presentation of this glitch and they even showed a picture of the gecko uh that has his arms stuck uh stuck out on each side i think he's from the uh lime rock park maybe or or no he's at the wild west park i believe it's one of those two yeah it's amazing how he created a little story with just this simple image, right? Anyway, I love this video. Um, if you've seen this before uh, and you watch this, this cracks you up for sure. My kids loved it because uh, it reminds them of a, a T-pose that's in like their favorite game. Um, was it uh, Fortnite? It's like one of the dances that some of the characters do. So they thought this was hilarious. We still don't have a real explanation about what this is about and why the tire is buried halfway through the cement. So, guys, this is a story I didn't even really know know what was happening. Uh, apparently, in 2021, in NASCAR, that the Dodge SRT Charger is going to be adding to the uh, to the NASCAR season with the uh, front row motorsports. I didn't even know that was a thing. But fake uh, news. So yeah, <laughs> if that's fake news, then this story doesn't really make sense because uh, Greg Gawa, Gadwash, Gadwa uh, posted in the forums, like, he's like, yeah, if they're doing this in NASCAR, shouldn't it go to iRacing? Well, I was wondering if he knows something we don't know. I would honestly... I, I, I did a search, and I couldn't find anything definitive. I saw a couple stories uh, related to it, but nothing that's, you know, f official NASCAR type of uh, websites that announced that Dodge is going to be back in the series. Wait, we saw uh, somebody on Twitter, one of the uh, truck teams said they're going to have a, a new manufacturer coming in. Did We saw that. Now, my question is, is the validity of this uh, is kind of hard to to go with because and I think our teammate Bobby Jonas, he talks a lot about uh, what the next gen is. If they were going to go to the next gen manufacturer, next gen with a new manufacturer coming in, that car was supposed to be ready this year coming up. You'd think you would have already heard rumblings that there was Dodgers right. coming back into the sport. You wouldn't, it, why would they be holding that back? It, it, you'd want, you'd want, you got a, a year to hype it up. Why would you not be trying to do that? and maybe entice, okay, it says it's coming back with uh, front-low motorsports. They're going to have a four-car team. Okay, but why wouldn't you be trying to add more hype over the year to try and get more teams involved uh, to make it bigger when you come in? Obviously, the changeover to the next car will be the easiest time for a manufacturer to come in because everything's being developed and changed then. That's probably the easiest time to come in. 
I don't see that happening other than the three manufacturers. The only thing that might change is Toyota might change their actual car brand uh, going away from the Camry. That might be the only change you see uh, in that in that aspect. I don't think you're going to see a new brand for a couple of years until after it to see how NASCAR recovers. I think the COVID and all that stuff has kind of maybe put some of that stuff on the back burner. Well, we're not going to get the car in iRacing until they at least announce it for NASCAR. And then we can talk about getting it in iRacing, right? And and uh, it seems odd that they would bring a car in right before switching to that new uh, car, too. Maybe the next year would make more sense, right? Yeah, that's yeah maybe it, with the new new car, yeah. Way, way too expensive to des- you know design a whole car just for one season. Well, in front row already drives the Fords. So why would you switch then switch, you know, make a whole new bodies for a full season and switch again. I mean, they're going to switch. They got one more season under this bad aero package and all that stuff. And hopefully the car changes, but um, I just don't see a manufacturer jumping in knowing the state of, you know, what the state of NASCAR could be coming out of this pandemic too. Right. Okay, moving on, we got the 2020 Targa Virginia has been announced for the December 5th to be run at VIR. It's a three-hour multi-class endurance event that will be broadcasted on the GSRC. And so Dexter Castro uh, put up a thread about it uh, with the race information and how to get involved. Um, I saw it on the forums, thought we'd mention it. Uh, If you guys want to get involved in a, a, a big road race, uh, this is one to do it. He's got an entry list here uh, for the various classes, and there's quite a few uh, on there. So get in quick. Search uh, 2020 Targa, Virginia. And then, David, we got another update on the NASCAR paints. Yeah, Bob Pockers is record, reporting that instead of a Cup Series being on the front of the cars on the cowl, they're going to be putting the names on there and if they do i the question is will i racing follow in their footsteps and i'm pretty sure the answer would be yes yeah so you have your uh driver name on the front now instead of it just saying cup seems like they added the names to the dashboards uh when they were doing that for the uh, nbc broadcast with the uh, pro invitational seems like they they were able to do that pretty quickly without too much effort so it seems like something like they could do fairly quickly it's yeah, just it's a, it's a piece of cake texture change pretty much well, all it is is just to make sure that that stamp is whatever you write in. It, it's just an algorithm to stamp it on the front of the car, right? They just make sure that that banner um, is, is tied into it on the template, right? It it stamps on the backside now, doesn't it? Yes. So are they doing... Does it say there they're doing both sides, or are they just doing it to the front now instead of the back? That doesn't specify. All right. Let's keep moving. Greg, we got the Snowflake 100. So Coke driver Ryan Luza posted that he's excited to announce he will be uh, will have the iRacing on board as a sponsor, uh, sponsoring uh, the number 53 Jeff Motorsports car for the 53rd annual Snowflake 100. Uh, the pro late model race held on December 8th at Five Flag Speedway. So that's another iRacing car out there uh, that we can see uh, on an actual coke driver there too yeah pretty cool and he was fastest in final practice and so man it wouldn't be cool if ryan luza won this race 
The other paint, uh, obviously, uh, Ty Majeski is in the race as well. He's got iRacing on the quarter panel, while uh, Ryan Luza's got him on the hood as a main sponsor. So kudos to iRacing for uh, stepping up and, and sponsoring Ryan uh, as he goes for this win. Hopefully, uh, and these are actually these are actually two different races, right? The Snowball Derby and the Snowflake 100, right? It's a different class of car, if I'm correct, aren't they? Well, it's the same track, but it's a different event. Is that what you mean? Yeah, oh, it's no, a it's different a, event. Yeah. It is a different event. I just don't know if it's the same cars or not. Yeah, I'm not certain. All right, in the interest of time, we're going to jump around. I'm going to uh, skip forward, and we're going to talk about the pro race. David Hall, Garrett Maines. Yeah, very exciting finish for Elliott Sadler Esports. We had Garrett Maines, Ashton Crowder, and Vicente. I never can remember Vicente's last name. Palace. Palace. Um, they finished one, two, four. Uh, I had I had a little fun messing with them, saying, "Come on, what what you couldn't get the one, two, three. Uh, but yeah, it was a great finish, and it also has all three of those guys set up in a in in a good position to to make the pro series they're one two and four or no they're one i'm sorry they're second fifth and tenth in the standings and i was talking to garrett he's he can get a he can clinch with the 20th i believe in, in clinch coke series now and then recent guest malik ray uh his bad luck continues he i think he finished dead last he was like five laps down right off the bat i'm not even sure what happened but uh, he's not looking so good after winning the first race. Uh, he's had two bad finishes since. Well, and Zach Novak had some troubles late there too, didn't he? Yep. And he's outside the top 20 in the points, I believe, isn't he? I believe he is, yeah. so it, he, it's he was right on the bubble last week. Yeah, he was he right on the bubble last week. The, the points are still swinging pretty fast, though, with only three races because like, the guy that was 21st last time jumped all the way up to 10th. Well, I mean... It looks like you know you're the last three races. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to have top fives to get your way to 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 get to move up if you're far out of the thing. And usually, usually guys that are running not well aren't gonna finish well the first the rest of the races either, right? It tends to put you in a pressure situation. You start trying too hard and taking gambles, and sometimes they pay off. Sometimes they don't. I know we mentioned this uh, a week or so ago. Um, it's going to be real interesting to see what happens if both of these uh, Elliott eSport drivers make it to the Coke Series as far as sponsorship goes. You mean all three? Oh, yeah, three, really. It's Crowder, right? Yep. And then what team will they be on and that kind of thing? Yeah, it was like yeah. because Garrett Maines, you know, is kind of associated with Richmond and whatnot. And, hey, did he is he winning for Richmond or is he winning for Elliott eSports? And, yeah, when it gets to the Coke Series, it, it'll be interesting. Well, is he actually? I don't think he's actually associated with the Richmond Motorsports team. It just, he just happens to be from that area. He oh, bet. He bet. He bet them on Twitter that he was going to go there and win, and uh, he followed up on that too. Yeah, he he's right there with, with his that team. You know, it's Michael Jeans does their setups, and uh, it's it's got him and Ashton and Vicente on the team. Uh, obviously, Elliot owns it. Hermes running with them. And who else is on there? Uh, Michael's or no, Garrett's dad runs. He's actually running in this uh, winter series with us. That's a real strong team. Okay, real quick, Greg, uh, a mention about week 13. So the other Greg, Greg West, posted uh, the week 13, uh, the I rating and safety rating by track types uh, is being included in this build. Um, they're going to create some class races uh, to push put these uh 
these through the paces just to make sure that everything's working fine. So uh, it'll feature the ProLite and all four, uh, what is this? It'll feature um, the road oval, dirt and dirt, dirt oval uh, with these to try and, uh, and just make sure everything's working for when they go into uh, week one. Um, make, I mean, you got to make sure you have, uh, I think in the last couple of road races I've been in, I've been reminded that you got to make sure if you want to compete and like uh, well, David and I compete in the L uh, ILMS, that's only going to be an A class. So you got to make sure you have an A class license uh, holding when the, when it switches over from week 13. So it's just be interesting to see how the road and oval stuff goes here as uh, we get into the next year. So the ridiculousness is going to be official pro two, all four types of tracks. And uh, it should affect your I rating and SR on all different four. So a good test. I will probably be staying away from that, and I'll keep my IR. Definitely. Okay, and then we're going to jump to uh, Tony. Uh, a grid finder uh, racing calendar. Yeah, that's right. We've talked about this before, but let's uh, talk about it again because we got some new information. Um, this is the grid finder charity calendar, and uh when we talked about it previously uh tom bunty from Gridfinder, he was looking for entries to, uh, to be able to fill out this calendar and uh he's got those entries and the calendars are now on sale and you can find them at grid-finder.com um but the cool part about this that we just found out today is uh through one of the sponsors of this calendar they are going to be giving away a uh, sim rig um do we know what kind of sim rig i know he told us and i forgot <laughs> my memory is terrible it was like over a thousand dollars or a thousand pounds i think he said yes um and i pretty sure i he said that will be uh shipped and everything so pretty cool you get not only a great calendar but a chance to win that rig and uh, we got to look at the calendar. If you go to GridFinder's Instagram page, uh, you can actually see the the high res photos that he picked for each month, and some of them are pretty darn sharp uh, road course kind of cars. It's kind of road course centric, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So this uh, calendar goes towards the charity um, called Calm, and that is in support of men's mental health. Uh, so 100% of the profit is going to go to them. And I don't know about you guys, but I've already got mine ordered. I was thinking about getting one. I like this kind of look of the calendar. So it would be great for any kind of sim cave, right? Well, that's what I was thinking. I said my studio does not have a sim calendar. It needs one. So this just worked out at a perfect time. All right. Well, again, thank you to GridFinder for getting involved with us as a sponsor. And we'll be talking more about them as we go forward uh, in the coming weeks. And with that, let's jump to podcast housekeeping notes. Uh, don't forget the aftermath with Chris and the two Tonys. Uh, what do you got cooking this, uh, this weekend? Well, uh, yeah. So the aftermath... Um has signed on with uh, Old Bastards Racing League, and we are sponsoring the Wednesday Night Truck Series. Um, no surprise there. All three of us are heavily involved in that league, doing a lot of racing with those guys. Um, and uh, Chris and Tony Rochette 
uh, did the, they had a fun race. I think it was at Daytona, uh, last night. Um, and it sounds like they had a heck of a time. They're being awfully quiet to me. So I'm going to learn a lot of this stuff. Um, what's going on and what happened through that race. I know Chris finished pretty high in that race. So we'll find all that out this Saturday when we record. All right. Looking forward to it. Uh, don't forget show notes guys. This is a great resource with all the links. Uh, don't forget it's in the description of the podcast and don't forget we're on performance motorsports network over there as well. And because of time, we're actually going to skip hardware this week and go uh, right into results. And so let's do it. Uh, obviously, uh, what did you guys run? Let's talk ILMS, David Hall. Seven wins at Imola. You're farming. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, this was... No, this was Spa. What, no, this was Imola. It was yeah, Imola. Uh, and... Um, yeah, I picked up a couple of wins early, and then it, it just kept happening. It was it's a less popular track, so a, a, not quite as much competition in there. But several times, I actually won in the top split, and uh, I've got a rec- my record I rating now. And I, you know, once I got to like three or four, I, was, I just I forgoed all or for I don't know how you say that word in past tense. I chose to forgo all of the. Uh, other series and just farm the crap out of it plus we were on thanksgiving break and yeah it ended up being seven wins it was it was pretty ridiculous you've you've had your share of run-ins though getting those seven wins right with uh, some of the slower traffic yeah you heard you heard me gripe about the the traffic issue in last week's podcast and i ran into the same issue with this one guy uh couple of guys you know one one just intentionally wrecks me because another guy another gt dive bombed him or another lmp dive bombed him and he got confused on who it was and hit me instead um but they they still just have this belief that you're not supposed to slow them down that if you if you come in late if you outbreak them you're breaking the rules so you know um the protests and their the results they got from the protests explained that to them a little bit differently David needs to remember that he used to be a GT driver too sometimes and and some of the stuff that uh, goes on with some of those LMP cars don't uh, don't jive very well either with some of their decision makings well there's uh, there's definitely it's bad both moves. Ways. it's both ways it, it's gone but I will I will say I don't make an unsafe pass but I will put it in there where you're not going to get to take the turn you wanted to take it and they're, they're not entitled to that See, the worst part is, is the last thing I've noticed is, because I've, I've gotten up there too, I had about three, I had three wins at Imola this week, and then, uh, and I was going for the, trying to get it in every different GT car that I can, um, I got two in the, the Ford GT, and then I got one in the uh, Ferrari, and I tried getting one in the Porsche, <laughs> I didn't, uh, didn't succeed in that one, but uh, the one thing I noticed with some of it is, they make the pass on the inside, get on your inside, but the GT cars and the LMP cars, they go through the corner about the same speed, no matter what, like the low speed corners, they're going to go the same speed. So they, they boost to get to the corner to get to the inside of you. And then it's there. And then you're, you have noticed where you'd normally be just turning in and there would, nobody would catch you. The, the last little boost is what always surprises people. And I think the biggest problem is, is you gotta, you gotta anticipate that they're going to do that. And, and know that uh, I think Spa is one of the toughest ones 
to judge it because uh, when you're going up on Rouge there, um, you got to know, is that LMP going to try that inside before you get there or he's going to follow you up the hill? Um, well, Rouge is one place I really don't try to get side by side because it's, it's a flat out corner for everybody. But where I ran into the issue was going into the hairpin. I had a guy, I was completely beside him before the curbing, um, and he just turned right across my nose. At, you know, And that's a, the hairpin, you can run the outside lane because when I'm in the GT and I have an LMP behind me, I just go ahead and stay in the outside lane and expect them to go around there. Yeah, it's a, a long sweeping hairpin. Yeah, it's downhill too and it's off camber. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it goes both ways. I think it's just, it's such a difference in speed when, when you're in the LMP ones and you have the boost, it makes a big difference of where you dive it in. But I find the LMP2 class isn't the where I've had the run-ins with it. It's just the LMP ones, but I know where I'm giving it to, like, I know where that they're going to catch me. I've gotten used to where they're going to catch me. But like I said, Spa is such a, a crazy track to drive on too that's this week you got to time it right where where you're going to be with somebody because if you're going to follow someone up on rouge in the lmp1 car you're losing a lot of time too so you got to make sure that you get past them before you get there know that yeah. you're going to lose a lot of time and what what i would do is if i don't think i'm going to get beside him before before you really get into that turn i would save my boost until the top of the turn and you effectively get about the same lap time uh, if you're the GT guy, what, what you got to do most of the time is if, if, if they're beside you, you just brake a little extra and go in the corner behind them. If, if I'm the slow car or the damaged car or even when a faster car is, rec uh, you know, if I'm damaged or, there's, or it's just a, an alien that didn't qualify and he gets up there, once he's beside me, there's no reason to try to go through the corner side by side. Just slow down a little and it and he's going to have to enter the corner low but then he can wash out and you can basically run almost the regular line you just have to you lose the least amount of time if you if you let them go instead of trying to fight them through the corner okay um good job on the wins at the road courses guys uh, i ran the uh, sprint car at lucas oil like usual on tuesday night on the sof race uh, the high SOF, sof race I was P16 out of 20 cars, slow as uh, shit, yeah, I was really beep, slow, beep. but fun, I, I had fun, uh, basically I ran last, um, I was fighting for last, maybe second to last, I didn't wreck until actually the final restart, I was trying too hard and stuffed it in the wall and yeah, but man, I, what I realized is I'm really, really, really giving up my eye rating by running this series, every time I'm, I'm dumping 100 120 I rating and it's starting to really show <laughs> so I don't know if I'm going to keep running this or not I, I at first I was like you know what I don't care about the stupid I rating I'm just going to run it but man looking you know to next year and you know what splits I'm trying to get in I need to maybe stop so I don't know it's I'm kind of torn or you could practice I could yeah well <laughs> I told you, I told you, and I told you, run a open. That's, you can gain your I rating there and practice for NIS. Instead of doing a practice, run the race. It's the best way to practice. Okay. I just needs to find a series that'll offset his loss in that series so he doesn't feel so bad. So run That's something, right. he gets I rating, and then he can throw it away in the middle of the week. So you're saying he needs his Imalola or Imalola. He needs to run a restrictor plate race 
that he all the time he loves his restrictor plate rat tracks that's where he needs his eye rating but that's carburetor cup <laughs> yeah there you go so i figured out it's not nascar legends at talladega which i also ran that which you think i'd be pretty good at that but i'm not uh early on i actually worked my way to the lead i ran in the pack top 10 ish uh trying to take it easy actually uh just trying to kick click off some laps but i ended up wrecking all by myself when i got a fresh air on the nose the car just came around and and you know it, it rang a bell the last time i ran this track with this car the same thing happened and it, it behaves one way when you're in the pack but when you get into the front of the pack and you're in the you know you're in the middle lane at the front of it it's totally different and if you turn the wheel at all the thing comes around and that's exactly what happened i dumped it in the wall made a big mess and uh i ran out of there with my tail between my legs i was embarrassed it's all the uh it's all the air on that big front hood pushing down that lifts that rear end up i mean i really gotta focus next time on hey i'm at the front of the pack now i gotta drive this thing different and i gotta remember that because i just totally blew it and that's not the first time i've done that all right let's jump to league and unofficial brian p10 obrl yeah so uh that was the arca series the monday night series it was the opening night of the new season for arca cars so um yeah we raced at phoenix i got a p10 um i kept the car clean despite there being a lot of cautions in that race and uh, uh phoenix is one of those tracks where it can be really frustrating if you're behind a car that you're faster than you're trying to get around them without you know without uh doing something overly aggressive it's really hard to get past cars and i think a lot of the cautions came from you know people uh, dive bombing corners on trying to outbreak people and, and causing issues like that so for an obrl race it, it was it was a lot of high cautions but um, so I was like in eighth place, and there was a there was a uh, caution that came out with seven laps to go, I believe. I was in eighth place. Um, I saw three cars in front of me. We we were on about ten lap, ten to twelve lap tires. Uh, I saw three cars in front of me go into the pits, and I followed them in, hope figuring a lot of the cars behind me would come with me, but. Uh, not too many people came with us so i had fresh tires i started restarted with like three laps to go in 13th place i wound up picking up three spots just because you know i had the fresh tires but um it was the track was a little too crowded to make up any more than that so i probably lost a couple of spots by making that pit call so uh but other than that i thought it was a fairly decent race for me i'd rather have tires than not have tires but yeah I, again if if more cars behind me came in with the with the ones in front of me um i think i would have been pretty pretty good uh but just not enough cars came in um you know just trying to keep the track position okay uh one night this week i jumped on delara dash texas and boom guys i have won it uh winner winner chicken dinner i even put together a nice uh TikTok video of my uh, winning moment and my donuts and uh, burnout. So I'm uh, pretty pleased about that win. I, I immediately got back in the car and tried to win it again and got wrecked out, pushed myself right to the wall and killed it. Uh, so I obviously didn't have two in a row in me, but at least I got that one. Let's and we also, I was gonna say, we uh, ran the winter league and uh, you ran the legends and had a DNF. Yeah, it was a, uh, 
it was a good first run. Actually, I went from 13th to 6th, but faded like a rock after I ran off the tires. I, I didn't realize I would, oh, I was thinking, man, I'm fast. No, everyone else was saving tires and I wasn't. And eventually I blew the right front and pitted. Uh, it was up to two laps down. I did get them back, uh, but the last run, a lapper got the wall real hard and came across and just killed me. I had nowhere to go. Um, my shifting had actually stopped working again with my wheel. My shifter wasn't communicating with the base apparently. And so I couldn't get it out of fourth gear. I had to go into the pit road. I restarted the wheel uh, while on pit road and that fixed it. But uh, yeah, and it was a tough race. I wasn't the only one who blew a tire. I found out later on Facebook chat. Um, there were at least two or three others that blew tires in addition to me. So I guess I didn't feel so bad after hearing that. What about the cup race, David? You did well. Uh, well how'd you do? P7 again? Yeah, two P7s in a row. Um, it was a top 15 car the whole time once we once we got into traffic. I, I can't qualify with the darn in, uh, in this cup series uh that's fixed but i tend to pick up positions as we go uh in the middle of the race i had a i had a ryan newman moment uh, alan pahari i've got one of the guys who runs league he, he he mostly focuses on running the the 87 cars but he became he, he literally was like channeling uh ryan newman I, i'd get beside him and get run after run after run and get on the inside on the straightaway and but because i had to enter the next corner low he would he would get right, right back around me on the outside and we did it for 20 laps and it was it was frustrating but clean racing you know so that that's that's how you run it and he kept me down there for so long that i burned my tires off on that run but i came back i was able to come back later and was going to finish 11th uh and there was a stack up uh, coming to the checkered and I survived it and got up to seventh great great run now I did not have such a good run I started falling off tires a little bit on that first run there was a lot of pressure behind me and so I just fell to the back I pulled over on the apron fell to the total rear and it was just riding around uh, after a few laps uh, the driver in front of me stopped on track in the middle of three and four i don't know if he was trying to pit getting ready to pit or what but i i couldn't miss him i ran right into the back of him and man i was upset i just parked it and left the building i've had horrible luck in this series so far all right in the obrl cup series we had chris and tony chris had a fifth and tony had a seventh and they uh gave us a nice verbose uh description of how the race went Okay, I didn't hear that. That's because it's not really there. <laughs> okay. GridFinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. GridFinder. GridFinder.com. The home of online sim racing leagues. Let's go to final thoughts. Brian McCubbin, what do you got? Uh, well, turned out this was a big week for the iRacers Lounge as far as the birthday department goes. <laughs> 
So uh, Sunday was my birthday, and I found out that uh, I share the same day as uh, as a teammate here, Tony Gross. Happy birthday. Is Small World copyrighted? Can you really have the same birthdays as being Canadian and American? Does it count the same? Well, I believe, Brian, yours should be a month later, right? <laughs> Why is that? Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And with that, David Hall, final thoughts. Several of the iRacers Lounge are going to invade Burning Rebel Radio this Tuesday. We're going to hop on and do a segment with Taylor Burris on uh, the year in iRacing. So I don't know exactly how much time we're going to spend on it. It's a really fast-paced one-hour radio show. So it's not going to be you know a one-and-a-half-hour special or something. That We're going to have fun going on there and hanging out with Taylor Burris and Andy DeLay and the whole radio crew. We'll actually be uh, broadcast onto several radio stations throughout the nation. You got to get your burning rubber radio fired up because they'll ask you to say that. Burning rubber, baby. Yeah, it's burning rubber, baby. There you go. Burning rubber, baby. Okay, Greg Hectus, final thoughts. Uh, It's just been a a low-key week for me. Um, I'm just enjoying the uh, roadside. Uh, Like David said, he's at his highest IR in the roadside um, I've also achieved my highest IR on the roadside, and I'm in the 1700 range now with my uh, road racing license, which uh, has come along in the last week here driving these cars, and I'm really enjoying it. Um, so I look forward to doing more of those races this weekend. I'm still building a lot of assets for our podcast here. I've been doing some advertising stuff, uh, making some ads and stuff for uh, going forward here. Uh, just so many things I got on the go. I just it's, it's hard to uh, completely wrap them all up. I'm trying to do one at a time here and trying to get them done with the ideas that are in my head and try and put them on paper or on the screen is a little bit difficult. But, uh, um, yeah, I'm just uh, enjoying road and uh, going to get going here. I also want to, uh, once again, put a special thanks out to the setups from uh, schoolyardsetups.com. Uh, Morley and his setups are always uh, are always there available and, and, and able to, uh, to ask you know, if you need changes or anything to him, you just ask if uh, what you're feeling and he can uh, tell you what to do. Um, so if you uh, go to schoolyardsetups.com and uh, use promo code lounge, um, lounge with a capital L, uh, let them know what you heard it from us and uh, you got got your setups from them. And uh, we'll look forward to racing against you guys with, with, with those setups. That's right. Head to head. Okay. Tony Gross, final thoughts? Uh, yeah, actually, a, a, a lot of what Greg just said, minus all the road racing business. Um, lots of, yeah, uh, be, you know, behind the scenes stuff. Um, huge welcome and thanks to uh, Gridfinder coming on board. Uh, I've been talking with Tom for um, quite a bit now. And uh, yeah, super good guy. And what he's what he's done, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's just a um, started this thing like two months ago. And it's... Uh, it's kind of exploding and um, just growing huge uh, from the first time that I'd, I'd seen it and I got my eyes, uh, you know, pointed towards Gridfinder. Um, yeah, he, he's quadrupled um, from that very first time. So it's really cool to be able to uh, partner up with him and, and work with Gridfinder. Um, kind of cool seeing some of this stuff finally uh being able to rise to the surface, been kind of working on it behind the scenes for quite a while. And yeah, this is cool. Uh, we got the aftermath coming up Saturday. So uh, be on the look f- 
look out for it Saturday night ish. Um, and what else I got going on? Yeah, that's it. I got a, we got ladies vi racing coming up in a couple of weeks. So I got to paint Lisa, uh, an ugly sweater car. So I'll be busy doing that this weekend. And yeah, that's it for me, man. Can't you just take that one that Chris raced that pink car just with his face on it. That's ugly. <laughs> that that's my face. Oh, it's, it's kind of, kind of beautiful. My bad. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> so now I got to come up with something original. Yeah. Kudos, Tony on, uh, working with grid finder and solidifying that deal to what it is today. Um, that's going to bring a little bit of revenue to this podcast where we can actually do some new stuff. We've been talking about maybe getting a website going, iracerslounge.com, maybe some merchandise and different things. So, uh, great uh, news for the future uh, as we go into the end of 2020 here with gridfinder.com. Uh, don't forget the dash between the two words. Uh, my final thoughts, uh, man, I, I like I said, I'm torn on the I rating. Do I worry about it? Do I need to save it? Do I need to farm it for next year? Do I keep running these series where I keep giving it up? I don't know. I'm kind of torn. Um, so we'll see. I, I'm going to kind of play the next few weeks uh, easy. Maybe I'll stay on the unofficial, uh, do the Delara Dash, do the Winter League, and uh, and we'll call it that. I don't know. But um, looking forward to uh, next year already. Looking forward to NIS. Thanks to Drew Adamson uh, for coming on and, and telling us about the fascinating job that he has done uh, with the broadcasting. And, uh, it was very cool to hear from him. And with that... We'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the Odd Racers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.